Captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Welcome to a very special episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. My name is Jonathan. I'm one of your hosts. And as with our previous episodes, your other host, Chris, is here to commemorate this very special day. Today is the first annual Star Wars Podcast Day. They chose this day, February 7th, to commemorate the premiere episode of Jedi Talk, which was the very first podcast way back in 1999. Uh, the Stars podcast community has grown by leaps and bounds over the past 22 years. For this first Star Wars podcast day, there are uh, about 80 shows participating as of the time that we recorded this. There may be more that jump on uh, later on. We're excited to be one of those several shows that are participating in this momentous occasion. So I just want to address something rather quickly. For those of you that listened to our first two episodes, you know, we were trying to release a new episode every other Thursday. And just because of some scheduling conflicts between Chris and I, we couldn't get one out last week. What we would have covered as part of the news for that episode, we're just going to jump into really quickly right now. So the very first news item that we have to discuss is, uh, is the creation of Lucasfilm Games. So about probably two weeks ago, Lucasfilm announced that they were reviving Lucasfilm Games, which is something that they had, uh, had started in the 1980s. And it's a division of the company that's solely dedicated to improving uh, gaming under the banner of Lucasfilm. So whether that is games based on Star Wars, of course, uh, Indiana Jones, uh, or even some of their other properties like Willow, Lucasfilm Games is intimately involved from the ground up from the creation of these games. So, uh, for for you know, since the Disney buyout of Lucasfilm, there was a contract between EA Games and Lucasfilm to be the exclusive provider of, uh, or rather, the exclusive creator and publisher of Star Wars games. So while Lucasfilm is still maintaining their partnership with EA Games, uh, they're also opening the door to other studios and publishers. So once this announcement was made, they gave a, a very brief teaser of an upcoming Indiana Jones game. Really not much uh, detail other than there's going to be an Indiana Jones game. It's going to be a new adventure and it takes place during uh, the height of uh, Indiana Jones career. But then a day later, we got a huge announcement that uh, Ubisoft, which is the French studio that's uh, more, you know, most famous for games like Far Cry, the Tom Clancy series, and uh, also uh, the Assassin's Creed series, uh, they are going to be creating an open-world Star Wars game. Specifically, the studio that's behind this game is Massive Entertainment. So they're the team that creates the Tom Clancy's The Division series of games. So this, uh, again, this will be a story-driven, open-world Star Wars video game. Uh, fans of Star Wars gaming have been hoping for a game like this for years. And uh, to be honest, I'm one of them. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, do you have any history with uh, with either video games or Star Wars video games in general? 
With video games, I definitely I played regular Nintendo and Super Nintendo growing up in and going into my adolescence. Um, unfortunately, I never. I'll be honest with you, uh, Jonathan. I've never once played a Star Wars video game, and I think the reason for that is is I stopped, kind of stopped playing video games around the time I was in high school, so like 15, 16, and um, that was right around the time I think Nintendo 64 came out. But it was also the, around the time that I started my, my love of Star Wars, really roughly right then. So by the time I would have wanted to play the video games, I kind of phased out of it, which I, I really regret. Those games looked like they were a lot of fun. Um, there, there was a story in one of the Star Wars, what's the magazine? Star Wars Insider. Um, yeah. A few years ago where they reviewed some of the video games going back to the very old Atari and moving forward up to where we're at or where that issue was about five years ago. Um, it really made me really interested in wanting to try to play the games. Really the one that I would want to play is one of the very oldest ones from the old Atari because it just... I like those old kind of graphics and where there were virtually no graphics at all. It just sure. feel like something, you know, something a real classic to play. So just having something play like that would be like would be a lot of fun, I think. So, but how about you? Have you do you have any real history with the video games? Oh uh, well, yeah, I have quite an extensive history with, right. with Star Wars gaming in general. Awesome. Um, you know, it 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 really the first. Star Wars game that I really truly remember playing, and you may have seen this, you know, years ago growing up as a kid. Uh, do you remember it was a? This would have been pre Atari, so this would have been when. Do you remember vector graphics games like? Uh, probably like. Um, oh, I'm trying to think of an example uh, specifically of other than a Star Wars game. It was a vector graphics game. Basically, you just. You saw these very, uh, very rough polygon shapes, kind of look like a Tie Fighter, and basically you were behind the the uh, the pilot seat of an X Wing, and it was your job to you know take down the Tie Fighters and then eventually assault the Death Star. This would have been, of course, very early eighties that the game originally came out. But you know, growing up as a kid of the eighties, the arcade was you know very popular and there were several in the area uh where i lived and i would go to them and i would play that you know of course games have come a a very very long way since then obviously i i never really played any star wars games on the the nes the nintendo entertainment system Mm -hmm. but i i remember playing they um they released a series of games called uh, under the Super Star Wars name and on the Super Nintendo. And of course, you know, it started with uh, Super Star Wars, which was very loosely based on the overall story of A New Hope. Um, several years later, they released The Empire Strikes Back, which I actually missed out on. I still haven't played it to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one the one I remember most fondly is, uh, is uh, Super Star Wars or rather, um, sorry, Super... Uh, it was either Super Star Wars Return of the Jedi or just Super Star Super Return of the Jedi. I'm not sure which, but I remember playing that quite often because you know, that was the one game that that I had owned uh, of sure. that Super Star Wars series. The other yeah. ones, I you know, the, the original one, the, the original Super Star Wars, I just rented for a few days okay. and played through it. Um, yeah, I... I, I I still play Star Wars video games to this day. I have, uh, I haven't stopped. <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with 
Never right. grow up is my philosophy. Right. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. I've played all of the Rogue Squadron games, which mm-hmm. were, you know, flight uh, arcade fighter or arcade flight fighter games where, you know, you had, you know, you would get in a rebel ship or, uh, you know, in a, you know, well, actually in, in rebel, I'm sorry, in rogue squadron, you would, you know, pilot a rebel ship, whether that happened to be, you know, an X wing, an a wing, uh, a snow speed or something like that. Uh, you would, you know, you would pilot that and carry out missions. And most of these games, took place in and around the existing Star Wars timeline. Some of them took place after Return of the Jedi, and it was, you know, about the New Republic, you know, uh, trying to uh, take, you know, establish themselves after they had defeated the Empire. And then, you know, some of the missions you would play, of course, also, you know, were during the, the days of the Empire where, you know, you were the Rebel Alliance carrying out other missions that you just didn't see in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um and then I've played the the newer Star Wars Battlefront games. Uh, I've I haven't played a ton of those uh, because I'm not a huge online gamer, so I don't really play that a, a, a ton. I didn't play the multiplayer okay. um, in Star Wars Battlefront Two. I did play through the story mode, which was a, a very cool story about. Uh, some you know an imperial squadron who saw some things after return of the jedi that the empire rather that palpatine was trying to carry out and they defected to the new republic afterwards and it's it, you follow their story they were called uh, inferno squadron which was a really cool you know and and because it came out uh after the lucasfilm you know after lucasfilm was purchased by disney everything in the games, the story and everything is considered canon. So, um, yeah, I really had a good time with that. Awesome. Uh, and the most recent game to come out, uh, you know, as far as a, a, you know, a triple, like a really high quality console game was uh, Jedi fallen order, which has you taking on the role of uh, a new character, a new Jedi character, Cal Kestis, who watched his, uh, you know, watched his master, being taken out by clone troopers right after order 66 he escapes because his master sacrifices himself to make sure that he escapes and you you start out the game he is uh making a living as a scrapper you know uh taking apart imperial ships and other ships on this junk planet and eventually the you know he he has to use the force to save uh, one of his co-workers and of course the empire uh you know is on you know then at that point the empire is on to him and it becomes about you know escaping from the empire and then you have you end up on a planet and you find y- your own mission uh it, it was just it, it was a really cool story driven star wars game uh, it, it had some challenging combat and some uh challenging puzzle components to it and i was all over it Oh, that's wonderful. That sounds like a lot of fun. I actually am going to go, I'm going to research these video games just to kind of learn a little bit about them. Now, I do have a quick question for you. Um, I know that Disney had changed a lot of the continuity once they obtained the Star Wars franchise. And you were just saying about the video games, there there were pieces of them that were canon. Did any of them get stricken from the new canon or are they still part of? Yeah, yeah. 
pretty much any video game that came out prior to 2015 is okay. no longer considered canon. Just ah. it, it all falls under it all falls under Legends. But that's the thing about Legends is those books are still there, yep. and you know what? There there may be some truth in Legends, just like mm-hmm. in our own world. Yes, I believe Ahsoka actually said that in an episode. Did she not of Star Wars Rebels? I believe so. Yeah, and and I know. I'm trying to think where it was said, but it was kind of a nod to the fans of that era that, you know, something was said along those lines that mm-hmm. you know, there still may be truth and legend. So don't. And, and I mean, heck we've had a lot of stuff come out of, uh, you know, the new Canon stuff uh, books and, and the Mandalorian and stuff that previously was considered legends. That's now brought into the Canon. So yes. uh, it, it continues to serve as inspiration. And I, I perhaps the, biggest draw uh, that came out of legends was in, in star Wars rebels was the introduction of grand admiral Thrawn. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I was actually just rewatching um, some of the season three episodes from star Wars rebels. Um, and I was just thinking about how amazing it was that they actually brought him in from legends to fill that role and actually give him kind of like a, a voice. Finally, some like, see him as a person talking, interacting, you know, so that would be a really great character to learn eventually about what happened with him and Ezra. I'm really hoping to get some news for that soon. But anyway. <laughs> yes, hope, hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to uh, do you want to go over our next story here, Chris? Absolutely. So um, it's unfortunate to uh, pass on this story. But on January 26th, um, the former assistant to Gene Roddenberry um, and he was also a Star Trek archivist, Richard Arnold, passed away at the age of 66. Several Trek actors and other luminaries expressed their condolences on social media and shared stories of how he has touched all of their lives. To be honest with you, I, I don't know a whole lot about Richard Arnold. Um, I know that he did. He was very trusted by Gene Roddenberry. Um, I believe there was a story out there that he often said that Gene Roddenberry had a car uh, that he really, really loved. I don't know. I believe it might have been a Rolls Rolls Royce. I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. But he, he was the only person that Gene Roddenberry trusted to like clean his car, make sure it was taken care of. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, that's you know, and, and he he was involved in. I believe he was involved in Trekkies. I, I read Denise Crosby's tweet about him. Mm-hmm. I think he was a big piece, a big part of getting those two movies together. You know, so it's it's certainly a loss uh, for the Star Trek community losing somebody who is that intimately connected with Gene Roddenberry. A lot of the people sure. that were, you know, are, are getting older, and many have passed away at this point. So it's it's another loss to the Star Trek fandom and to the community. Yeah, I, I know he was really involved in the fan community. I wasn't sure if maybe you had happened to cross paths with him because, you know, because I know you've gone to uh, Star Trek Las Vegas a few times. I just wasn't sure if you had happened to run into him in any or attend any panels that he did. I believe there was one. Um, I, I didn't I don't remember what it was about. And there were three years that we went to STLV. So it was 2012, 2016, 2019. If I remember correctly, he spoke at 2016, if, if I'm remembering correctly. But I can't quite remember. Um, but, yeah, that was one of the stories that he had talked about. He was actually quite proud of that story. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, yeah, it's always a good thing when you're always selected by the boss to be the almost the favorite, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah. Very uh, – I, I guess you could say he's very similar 
to Dave Filoni uh, on, on the Lucasfilm side of things. You know, he yes. was, you know, he, he, you know, Dave Filoni, of course, worked under uh, George Lucas during the creation of the Clone Wars. And he's now, you know, he and John Favreau are kind of the, um, you know, the, the driving force behind all of the new shows that we're going to be talking about later. Yes. Yeah, they've kind of become the Rick Berman and Michael Pillar of the Star Wars franchise. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It took over directly from the creator, and now they're the ones brainstorming stuff, you know? Sure, sure. Cool, you know? Sure, and people want to say that Star Trek and Star Wars are different. It, it's There's so it, many similarities. There's so many parallels you can draw. Amazing. It's, it's amazing how many people fight over the two. I mean, they're both unique in their own ways, but like you said, there's a lot of similarity. Heck, even their names come close to each other. Both have Star <laughs> the first name, just the second one's different. Right. You know, so... Right. Yep. Yep. So, um, yeah, again, you know, uh, echo Chris's sentiments. We, you know, we, uh, we do regret hearing of the passing of Mr. Arnold and, uh, you know, express our condolences to his, his friends and family. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, some couple happier news items here. Uh, first uh, I did notice that, uh, probably, Three or four days ago, the United States Postal Service announced, uh, along with uh, Lucasfilm, that they're going to be releasing a commemorative set of limited-time availability Star Wars stamps featuring some of the most famous droids to grace the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, you know, R2-D2, C-3PO, of course, you know, the classic duo, yes. uh, BB-8, uh, new favorites from Rogue One like K2SO, and from Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, L337, as well as the Gonk Power Droid, which is one of my favorites. Just the the, uh, the sound effects that he makes are, are, are just classic Star Wars. And then my personal favorite is going to be featured on one of the stamps, and that's, uh, that would be the surly veteran droid Chopper from Star Wars Rebels. And they're all going to have, you know, they're all going to fe- be featured on their own stamps. Um, I know for sure I'm going to be picking up a set from my collection. What about you? Oh, more than likely, without a doubt. Um, the, the simple fact of the matter is part of what I really love about the Star Wars galaxy are the different types of droids that they have. You know, they're always a lot of fun to watch. They all have their own neat little personalities. It's a shame that they don't get treated with a whole lot of respect uh, in, in the Star Wars galaxy itself by the people that live there. Uh, in particular, I do. I really fall in love with K2SO. Uh, just the, He had that dry, kind of witty sarcastic sense of humor that i really that i'm drawn to a lot of so that'll that'll be fun so and uh l337 was pretty a pretty cool brand new droid as well um you know fighting for droid rights and there was a there was a great relationship between l3 and and uh oh i'm blanking on the name shit (laughs) (laughs) lando calrissian yes Yes, and yeah. So L three three seven and and Lando had a really interesting relationship, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of implied that there might have been a sexual component to their relationship, kind of yeah. offhandedly, which was how, yeah, yeah. How that would go, <laughs> I don't know, and I don't know if I want to know <laughs> at this point. And also the power droid. If it's the I always refer to this droid, I still do, as the garbage can droid. Because it looks like a garbage <laughs> can on legs that walks around. It, 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 I don't remember, it just looks like the different types of garbage cans that you, you would find in like a hospital or at a restaurant. 
where you push the lid in. But that's exactly what that droid has always reminded me of. It's so that's my name for it, garbage can droids. So that alone would make me want to get those just to have that. You Very know, nice. And frame it. But so what are you going to do with your set if you get them? I will probably frame them. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the, the trick is, after I frame them, finding a place to put them in my house. Oh, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you all available wall space is Star Wars, right? Uh, no. Uh, well, not, not all available wall space. Most all of right. it's Disney. Oh, is it? <laughs> okay. Hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of Disney, a lot of Star Wars art on our walls. Oh, I, I believe it. You're lucky. I only have a room that I can put my stuff in. You guys can uh, spread yours out a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's awesome. All righty here. So moving on to the next story. So this is was this came out about a week ago, but the news has been out for several months now that CBS All Access will be rebranding itself as Paramount Plus on March 4th, 2020. Um, Since the merger between CBS and Viacom in 2019, this is how the new company is planning to introduce the library of content from several different sources, such as MTV, Nickelodeon, Comedy Central, BET, and the Smithsonian Channel. Additionally, the service is set to add a robust catalog of films from Paramount's storied history. They better have the Ten Commandments in there. So my response (laughs) to this I'm actually looking forward to it. Now, CBS All Access has a nice little library of of stuff from a lot of the shows that it had aired over the decades. Heck, they even have I Love Lucy on there to watch. Mm -hmm. You know, all the CSIs. Uh, But it it kind of, for some reason to me, CBS always felt a little limited just to kind of its own little library. I think with Paramount coming on board and having all of this new content, it's going to make it a lot larger. That's one thing I've noticed with Disney Plus is they have all these different types of segments from Star Wars, National Geographic, the Disney movies, a whole bunch of different stuff. And it always seemed just fuller of, of interesting content. It just I always felt CBS All Access was kind of limited. So I think this expanding it and broadening it is, is definitely going to be helpful in relaunching it. Uh, plus, I think the fact that they're calling it Paramount Plus makes it sound very dis- very similar to Disney Plus, which is probably why they did it because it didn't sure. to be so successful. So, you know, I think a rebranding option is going to be do nothing but actually help it grow. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, like you said, you know, CBS All Access is kind of very limited in its scope. Uh, you know, it, it because you only associate, you know, if, if someone looks at the name CBS All Access, they're going to, essentially, they're only going to associate that with programming that's already on CBS. So, you know, for your person that subscribes to cable, uh, you know, they're already going to have CBS uh, and they're going to have an on-demand selection, you know, provided they have, you know, uh, something other than just the very basic cable. So they don't see, necessarily see the value in in, in in subscribing to CBS All Access, but yeah, I think Paramount Plus. You've got the you know the Paramount name recognition. Of course, that you know that studio's been around for well over a hundred years at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so I, and I know that's exactly what Vi- CBS Viacom is hoping that the, the Paramount name is going to bring in more people. And then, like you said, you know, 
calling it Paramount Plus is certainly a direct response to the incredible and overwhelming success of Disney Plus. I mean, no other streaming service that I can think of has grown anywhere nearly as fast as Disney Plus has. Oh, sure. Absolutely. What I'm also hoping is that this is going to heal some of the, the feelings of some of the Star Trek fans. I uh, don't know how familiar you are with the, the war going on in Star Trek fandom, but a lot of fans who have been turned off by Discovery or Picard or Lower Decks, they see the name CBS All Access and it's like, oh, I'm dropping it. There's no, no, no point going on there now. So maybe with a rebranding, maybe that'll it's just for some people, maybe it would be just enough for them to kind of come back and resample the mm-hmm. service, you know, that's sure. Sure. Yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right. And as much as it would probably be a dirty move, I think uh, CBS Viacom's best interest would be to make Paramount plus the exclusive home for anything Star Trek. I mean, I know, Heck, you can you can go on. I, I believe you can go on both Netflix and and uh, Prime Video in the U.S. and watch all the the library of of Star Trek content. Uh, everything except for the CBS All Access originals, which I guess will be Paramount Plus originals. You know, Star Trek Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard. Aside from that, I, yeah, like I, I know for I, I'm almost. 99% certain that both Netflix and Prime Video have all of the library Star Trek shows, everything from TOS up through Enterprise. Right. Uh, and again, it would be kind of a dirty move, but in order to get people to subscribe to Paramount Plus and, and sign up, I think they need to pull that content and make themselves the exclusive home. Yes, I agree with you 100%, without a doubt. Okay, I think Chris, I think we've covered all of the news stories that have happened since our last recording. Uh, do you want to introduce our our actual our, our main topic for the show this week? Yeah. So basically, what we have brainstormed for all of you for this week is talking about the future of Star Wars television. So Star Wars is going to be growing, but it's going to be growing definitely on Disney Plus at this point. Uh, eventually, they're going to have some movies coming out in the next number of years. But really, it seems like everything, the growing of the franchise at this point is going to be uh, with basically with TV shows that have been that have come out. Uh, Jonathan and I have talked about it. We're extremely excited about this. And I can't imagine any Star Wars fan that wouldn't be excited about all this, this <laughs> beautiful news, you know. So the first one that, I, that I'm going to talk about here uh, was a series that was initially announced about two years ago, and we got a little bit of information about it. So it's called Star Wars Andor, and this series takes place prior to the events of Rogue One and will star Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. Uh, the overall story concept for this series is a spy thriller, almost kind of like The Born Identity or I guess The Blacklist and James Bond. Some of the notable actors and actresses in this show are Stellan Skarsgård, Fiona Shaw. Uh, many of you may not know who that is, but she played Amphetunia in the Harry Potter saga. And Genevieve O'Reilly reprising her role as Mon Mothma from Episode 3 and from Rogue, Ro- Rogue One and also from Star Wars Rebels. So this show, at this point, one of the few things we know is it's going to be about 12 episodes in length. So... I've wondered about this show for a while. I'm kind of on the fence about it. it. The only reason is is because definitely I think the story sounds really good. 
especially it being a spy thriller, that's going to be something really cool to bring into the Star Wars universe, something neat and unique. What I'm worried about is, is we already know what happens to Cassian at the end of Rogue One. Mm -hmm. He dies. So what I'm concerned about is in the story, is that going to really take away any dramatic moments for him in the, in the series? Because we know he has to survive no matter what. But then mm -hmm. I'm also kind of playing it in my brain that even if we wouldn't know what it is, the fact of the matter is, is as he's the regular character on the show, the chances of him being killed off unless he wanted to leave the show would be next to none. So that would be kind of like with the original series. Even though William Shatner uh, had a lot of uh, moments where he almost died or they pretended he died or whatever, there was still that drama that was there, even though we knew that he was the lead character and he was going to survive no matter what. It, it, sure. And that's the kind of the way I'm trying to look at it. Instead of saying, oh, my goodness, we know what's going to happen to Cassian and it's going to ruin any kind of suspense for him in the show. You know, I don't it's best to not look at it that way and just watch the journey, you know, that he is taking. Sure. It'll actually be much more fun watching him, his character grow. And in, when we watch Rogue One in the future, we'll be able to kind of have that backstory now to kind of be, the character will feel more flushed out. It's, it's mm -hmm. kind of what I'm looking. At. It's kind of like almost like with Darth Vader, if you think about it. There was an article in in Star Wars Insider a long time ago, after the prequels came out, in which they talked about um, Vader is kind of viewed differently now. When you watched him in four, five, and six, and those were the only three movies at the time, all basically you saw about him was this, he was a bad guy, and that he just happened to be Luke's father, and he got redeemed at the end. And everybody kind of wondered what kind of story, what kind of person was he like. But now that you add the prequels in, and when you watch 4, 5, and 6, because we now know the backstory, it's we, it, Vader kind of seems different, if you kind of think about it, in 4, 5, and 6. He's, he's a lot more of a tragic character than, than just the supervillain that, that he initially had been. So that's what I'm kind of wondering will happen with the Cassian story. I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. How about you, Jonathan? Yeah, I this is probably one of well, who am I kidding? I'm excited about all of them oh, that, that yeah. we're going to talk about. Let's not mince words here, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, I'm really particularly excited about Andor because I, I I really I really loved Rogue One and I know it's such a downer movie by the end, but just the the fact that it was the first non-Skywalker saga Star Wars movie that got released uh and it was nobody knew what to expect and then when we got it it was it was just absolutely one of my favorites it was very well put together i thought the story was great uh i you know i really yeah you know, i really had a good time with the movie and and knowing all these new characters and knowing that that because we hadn't seen these characters in any of the previous or sorry any of the the star wars movies that took place after uh, Rogue One, I you know you kind of knew their fate at the end already, or at least you kind of assumed what their fate would be. That's a good um, point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it it I never thought of it that way. <laughs> but you know, it, it it was still it was an entertaining ride from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one movie you can kind of just watch over and over and over because it's it's the story from the crawl of A New Hope. For all those years, everybody was like, okay, I wonder what that battle was, and now we actually have it in flesh. Mm -hmm. Plus that uh, that final scene with Vader on board the the rebel ship that can't be beaten. 
Right. Absolutely. One of the one of the great hallway scenes that Star Wars is now becoming known for. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is that, you know, the story of how the Death Star plans were obtained had been told, you know, a few times through the various versions of legends. It had been told in, in books. It had been told in video games. And it never really was cohesive. You know, it was just kind of... Okay, we have to we have to tell this story. Let's find you know. Let's figure out the first thing that makes sense and put that to paper, or put that in a you know, and or make you as a video game character uh, have to carry out that mission. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have what you know what is now the definitive story of how the Death Star plans were obtained is it it, it fits very nicely into uh, you know into the Star Wars package. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's. It, it was definitely one of the best things that they could have introduced into the Star Wars saga. And even, you know, a lot of people have complained about recent Star Wars, but usually I hear nothing but positive comments about Rogue One and how entertaining the story was. So good. Kudos. It's great that we're getting Cassian back and wish them all the best on that series. Absolutely. So then another series that was announced uh, during the Disney Investor Day was, uh, well, actually, this is kind of two series. Um We've got both Rangers of the New Republic and uh, the Ahsoka series. So we don't have a bunch of details on either of these shows, uh, aside from the fact that they all take place in the same time frame as The Mandalorian. Essentially, Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, and The Mandalorian are all going to tell their own separate stories, but at some point they're they're going to culminate together in a, a single story event, very much like the Marvel movies have. And I'm very excited for that. Uh, you know, most likely uh, what we're, you know, what everybody assumes the Rangers of the new Republic is going to star Gina Carano as uh, Cara Dune. And it's going to follow her character after she becomes uh, one of the marshals of the new Republic. Uh, and of course the Ahsoka series will uh, star rosario dawson as uh, the fan favorite uh, character ahsoka tano after her debut in the mandalorian my guess is that the series will continue uh, uh ahsoka's search for grand admiral thrawn uh after the events of star wars rebels um and, and you know i guess I, well just based on the logo that i've seen for uh, ahsoka it seems like the the world between worlds is going to factor heavily into or maybe not even heavily at all maybe just partially factor into the story of ahsoka uh, do you do you remember the world between worlds episodes from star wars rebels oh absolutely those are some of my absolute favorite episodes of the series yeah yeah, I, I like how I, I like how Star Wars has used the Force and and the mysteries surrounding the Force to kind of introduce time travel. Yes, yeah, that was very interesting. That's that's a concept that was foreign to Star Wars as far as I can remember until that episode. You know, seeing Ezra pull Ahsoka out of time and into the world between worlds, and then sending her back to complete her work. Yeah, it was very fascinating. So that'd be interesting to see in live action. Yeah, and and as far as uh, you know, as far as Rangers of the New Republic is concerned, I know you, Chris, you're not caught up yet on the Mandalorian, so you haven't seen all of the episodes that Cara Dune has appeared in. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and, and I'm sure you might at least tangentially be aware of um, 
her social media presence. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I, you know, we're not going to get political about this. I mean, your our opinions. We have our opinions on uh, on Gina Carano as a person, and I know you all listening have your opinions on her uh, as a person, but. I'm willing, you know, and I'm choosing or willing to separate Gina Carano from the character she portrays on screen. And I really like the character that she portrays. Yeah. And, you know, and we saw Gina Carano kind of give Mandalor- the Mandalorian you know, a good run for his money uh, in, in the sanctuary episode that we had talked about on one of our pre on our last episode of the show. And, you know, the way that she has, he, you know, eventually he recruits her to help take on uh, Moff Gideon and rescue the child. Right. So I, again, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of the character. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and that's as far as I'm going to take that. Uh, I'm going to tell one up it just a little bit and say that I fell in love with Cara Dune as soon as I watched her in that first episode she was in. I'm I'm a huge fan of that character, and Gina Carano played her with intelligence and grace and strength. It was just an amazing character. So knowing that I'm going to get to see her a little bit more as I catch up into The Mandalorian and that she might be joining this new series as one of the leads, that's exciting to me. I can't wait. This new character is wonderful, and I think she's actually pretty – it kind of excited the fan base from what I see on Facebook or Twitter. A lot of people love that character, and I believe her action figure sells out quite easily wherever they have it. So mm-hmm. that's a lot about the character and, and how uh, Gina Carano's played her. So definitely looking forward to seeing this one grow. Absolutely. And uh, how about our next series, Chris? What's the next one we're going to talk about? All right. So the next series was also announced over uh, two years ago. We found out some great new details that were previously unrevealed. We know that the series takes place during Obi-Wan's self-imprisoned exile on Tatooine. So I believe it's called Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, based from what I saw. But again, it's on Obi-Wan's exile on Tatooine, where he watches over the young Luke Skywalker as he's raised by uh, Amparu and Uncle Owen. What we learned new was that Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. During exclusive footage that was screened to investors, Ewan McGregor said that returning, or I'm sorry, reuniting with Hayden was, quote, the most beautiful thing of all, end quote. So out of all the series that have been, that were discussed on Investor Day, this one's my absolute favorite. I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. I've always been, <laughs> I love, I love, you're Star Wars fans that are more classic fans, you're probably going to kill me, but I love you and McGregor as Obi-Wan more than Alec Guinness. Please don't kill me, people. <laughs> but it's just, he's the one that I kind of grew up on since I got into Star Wars late. And it, it just, I, I just, I just love his portrayal as Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing the story, some of the stories that have happened with him on Tatooine. My thought of it always was that he just... What did he do for 19 years? Did he just hermit or did he have actually some sort of adventures going on? So who knows what's going to happen now? And the fact that Hayden Christensen is coming back as Darth Vader is exciting for me as well. I am not one of those people. And I, for the life of me, I cannot understand why fans feel this way. Where is the wooden acting that Hayden Christensen is showing? I, I honestly don't see it. And I'm going to, I mean, when he, he's angry he seems angry. When he seems like a spoiled brat, he seems like a spoiled brat. The biggest thing that, that 
I think really he, that has him selling me as Darth Vader or Anakin is just look at the way in the acting Hayden Christensen looks at uh, at Padme or uh, Natalie Portman. Just go back specifically to Revenge of the Sith while she's standing at her balcony and she's brushing her hair and that sweet melodic music's playing. Look at the way that Anakin is staring at her. People are going to tell me that they aren't convinced that he loves her without a I, seriously. I mean, the, there's just just you can feel it emanating from him. And sure. it was like that in episode two as well. It, it never dawned on me that he was wooden or he didn't show emotion in any way. So this to me is going to be very exciting. And if anything, he's grown over the years. So he's probably going to bring something new and exciting to Darth Vader and to Anakin that we've never seen before. So it's, it's going to be very, very exciting. I can't wait for this, this, this series to come out. So what are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I echo your thoughts. Exactly. I, you know, we had talked in our very first episode about, you know, our history with, you know, with, um, with Star Wars and Star Trek. And, you know, I had kind of waxed poetic for a while about uh, my, my, you know, my history with the prequels and, you know, yes. how after I, you know, after I met Kylie in college, you know, that was, that became what we bonded over. So um, I, you know, I, I may have uh, been one of, you know, part of the crowd that kind of denied my love of the prequels, you know, mm -hmm. for a while, but uh, you know, I, I, I regret that. And, uh, I, you know, I take it all back. I think, uh, you know, I, those were kind of, you know, those were the star Wars movies that essentially, you know, those were the movies that I grew up with. You know, I, yes. those are the ones that I saw in the theater, uh, mm -hmm. aside from episode one, the ones that I saw in the theater, the ones that, you know, were kind of, you know, came along at the right time for me. I, I can't wait to see Hayden Christensen back in star Wars and, and see how this all, this story plays out with, uh, with, you know, with Obi-Wan and Anakin and how they're, you know, how exactly they are going to set everything up because it, you know, in, in a new hope. And again, this, they can change this and fit it in however they need to, but it, it almost seemed like the last time that Obi-Wan and, and Darth Vader had, met in battle was on Mustafar, but that doesn't seem to be the case. We, we might be getting a, another showdown at some point. Yes. Uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to answer some questions. I'm sure a lot of fans have, have had for a long time. And I, you actually made a good point. It, it always kind of felt like when they met on the Death Star in A New Hope that, that that was the first time they had met since their duel on Mustafar. But now, like you said, there's probably some other stuff. And it would kind of make sense, I guess, because in uh, in Return of the Jedi, when Obi-Wan's spirit comes to see Luke on Dagobah, he says he's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. So my thought on it was is that maybe he he's met met him or seen him or had more interactions with him that made him feel that way rather than just hearing stories on the hollow net, you know? Sure. You know, in, in the, uh, in the Marvel comics that have been released, I, uh, Charles soul had a really cool run on, on Darth Vader where, you know, the very first issue of the, the of Charles souls, Darth Vader comic takes place immediately after the end of revenge of the Sith, where, uh -huh. you know, where Darth Vader is put into the suit for the very first time. And, 
it it kind of you know the the story i haven't read all of it um yet but the story kind of has several mo- you know several instances where anakin is still you know he still has his humanity he still you know he may have turned to the dark side but he still has his humanity the the um the mechanics the machine parts haven't fully taken over yet so right yeah it, it's i think seeing you know where they're going to finish that storyline and, and how it culminates and how it it, it clashes with obi-wan is going to be interesting Oh, absolutely! Yeah, this is uh, this is definitely going to be exciting, and man, I, I'm looking forward to the toys from this one. <laughs> yep. You imagine? Yep. Yeah. All right. So, what's the next one we got there? So the the next series that uh, this is probably this is going to be the series that we see before any of the other ones, and that's uh, that's the next animated show from from Lucasfilm Animation. That's going to be the Bad Batch. Uh, you know, this was. This series was originally announced shortly after the final season of Star Wars, the Clone Wars premiered on Disney Plus, and it's going to continue the adventures of Clone Force 99, which, uh, and and I I know you just started watching season seven of Clone Wars, Chris. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, you would have started with the Bad Batch episodes. Yes. Uh, did, Did you get to finish those yet? I'm on episode four right now. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so is that that's a four part arc from what it is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm learning about Clone Force ninety nine. So basically, they just to me they kind of seem like the X Men of the Star Wars universe. They're mutated. They have these special unique skills. One's got like super strength. One's a a tech. I think that's actually his name, isn't it? Tech. Yes. Yeah, I like him. I think he's my favorite. I like that that little visor goggles that he wears on his helmet. So this, yeah, so it's an interesting group. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I'm, it's, this might be the series I'm least excited for if I'm being honest, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to watch it. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this show can really, you know, put a, you know, put a new spin, a new, you know, a, a new, uh, help me see a new angle of those four episodes of the Clone Wars. So that when I go back and watch them eventually, you know, it will, it will feel more complete. Right. Exactly. One thing I'm really looking forward to is I, one thing I've always wondered about was what, what, what happened with the clones after order 66 and the empire was created? You know, did they stay in service for a long time as the new stormtroopers? Uh, how long was it until they were retired and they started bringing in new people to fill those roles? We know that the, the clones tend to age pretty quickly. so. It'll be interesting to see how they transition from the clones themselves to a whole new group of, of stormtroopers uh, for the Empire. That's and just anything that takes place during between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is going to suck me right in. I can't wait. Yeah, I agree. I, I think I, I'm hoping that I will be pleasantly surprised. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You never know. It's either going to be good or it's not going to be good. I guess that's all we can do. <laughs> so the next right. one. The next show that was uh, was announced is Star Wars Visions. So this series is a series of animated short films, uh, which will feature the best Japanese anime creators, but tell stories in the Star Wars galaxy. Really, this is all we know right now about this show, other than the series will premiere sometime this year. 
So here's, here's, I guess, where I'm at right now. I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big fan of anime. Never have been. Never liked the way it looked. The stories are, I'm sure the stories are all fine and dandy, but it's just never been my niche. Um, that being said, it, in the end, it's not going to really matter what the animation looks like. It's going to be more about what the stories are all about. And if they tell good stories that contribute something to the Star Wars mythos, I'm all for it. You know, it's just, you know, and everything, all the other series have all had their own unique animated styles, but they've all had pretty good storytelling. So really, I guess that's what it all comes down to. Yeah, I, and I... I'm very similar. Uh, you know, I, my, my personal history with anime is, is very, very minimal. Uh, I've seen some of the big, you know, anime films like Akira and, you know, some of the Miyazaki films like Spirited Away and mm -hmm. Howl's Moving Castle and the Princess Mononoke. But I don't really, I haven't really gotten into, you know, any of the series that have either, you know, that are new, that have been running for periods of time. I mean, I, Growing, you know, coming home from school from in the afternoons, you know, I would occasionally turn on Cartoon Network, which would be, you know, running their Toonami block of programming. And I would casually watch Dragon Ball Z, but it never really caught my interest. Sure. But yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm excited because I think that, you know, this is something unique. I mean, we, you know, as Star Wars fans, we're always looking for something unique. And, and the fact that they're going to bring you know, Japanese anime creators into the Star Wars galaxy and let them kind of tell their stories is, is an exciting prospect. Right. Absolutely. Any, anything new that comes in, you know, as long as it, it tells a good story, that's all that matters in the long run. Mm -hmm. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we don't really know much more else about it, but we're yeah. going to be seeing it at some point soon. So excellent. Hey, it's new Star Wars. Yes, absolutely. And this, this one, this next one might be one of my most, anticipated i don't know if it's my number one show that i want to see but i am certainly intrigued and it's something that's been rumored for some time ever since you know ever since solo was released you know fans have wanted a a series that focuses on lando calrissian you know everybody's you know favorite uh scoundrel well yes. maybe second favorite scoundrel i don't know han solo is probably their everyone's favorite but well, let, let's let's see. Let's uh, let's call Lando everyone's favorite galactic con man. How about that? Perfect words. <laughs> Perfect words. Yeah. So I mean, we finally got confirmation of a Lando series. Uh, it's going to be considered a limited run event series, so it's going to be you know however many episodes, and it's going to be a one season and done, which is fine. Um, sure. We found out that Justin Simeon is going to be the showrunner and creator of the Lando series. And I, his most famous project that he's worked on is, is Dear White People. And it's, again, it's not something I'm personally familiar with. Uh, but, uh, you know, the the early talk on social media is that, you know, people are very excited for this. I'm just hoping, I'm just honestly, I'm just hoping that we get a, not only Billy D. Williams coming in as Lando for part of the series, but we also get Donald Glover as young Lando. And yes. I really, really want to hear more of the Calrissian Chronicles. Oh, that that would be wonderful. It, it kind of reminds me, wasn't there an episode of the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles where Harrison Ford actually came back and, and did like the, the beginning of the episode as older Indiana Jones and kind of introduced the story? You might be right. Uh, I, I 
Yeah, it's been forever since I've I seen know. the show. <laughs> but that would be cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I know the show used to be on Amazon, but mm-hmm. I don't know if it's still there as part of the Prime Video membership. Mm-hmm. Sure. All right, we've got a couple more. Oh, no, I, actually, I think, Chris, we only have one more series to talk about. Yeah, you want to take this one? You got it. And this one is called The Acolyte. So created by Leslie Hedlund, who is most well known for her work on Netflix's Russian Doll. The Acolyte is the only series announced that takes place before the prequel era, specifically at the tail end of the High Republic era, that launched as a print media-only storytelling initiative. The Acolyte will be a mystery thriller series that seems to heavily feature shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers. So I don't really know what my thoughts are on this one, Jonathan. Uh, I don't. There's really not a whole lot to say. So I, and if it's taking place around the end of the the High Republic era, um, I'm I, I guess I just don't know enough about that era yet to really like be sure. excited and get sucked into it. Shadowy secrets, emerging dark side powers. Yeah, that, that'll be cool. Uh, you know, I just I, I think I'm going to hold off on my opinion on that one until I get more information. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and to be honest, nobody really knows a whole lot about the High Republic era. I mean, we've mm-hmm. seen at this point we've seen one adult novel by Charles Soule. We've seen one junior novel by justina ireland and uh, the only other the only other stories that we know so far there's going to be a, a teen reader series or rather uh there's going to be a teen reader book by claudia gray and then in sometime in july we have the next adult novel from Kevin scott and mm-hmm. then the comics and such in between so yeah I did actually, you know, I know we had talked in uh, our last episode that I was trying to finish up reading Master and Apprentice, and then I'd get back to the High Republic, and I did. I I, I got back to the High Republic, I finished Light of the Jedi, and based on what I read, how things kind of played out towards the end of that story... I I can see where the the connections where you know possibly where the acolyte might pick up. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's still a lot to tell in the High Republic, and and my wonder what what I wonder is when are we going to see this series? Because when are we going to see this acolyte series from Leslie Headland? You know, as far as you know the high republic is still very much in its infancy and it's going yeah. it's a three phase project which mm-hmm. is going to continue at least into 2022 so uh, i wonder when we're going to see the acolyte i would say probably not until uh, at the very very least 2023 yeah and by then the high republic should be wrapped up based on where the light of the jedi ended and the way that a certain character uh, his arc played out by the end of that story. I can again, I can see where there might be some dark side connections or some Sith connections. Right, absolutely. I think that's a good point, and I agree with you. I think if they released it any time too soon before people had a chance to read these novels and really get into the what the what the story arc is and what's going on with the, the Republic at that time, and it, I, I think it would just be nobody would be as invested. So I think I agree with you. I think get that part of the Star Wars universe together make it cohesive make sure it's gelling and then get the series out i think that'll definitely help it Mm -hmm. i agree so yeah that that's gonna wrap up 
what we have to say about all the new Star Wars series coming to Disney Plus. Uh, but uh, on our on our Twitter account, we ran a couple polls uh, because Twitter only allows you to have four possible poll choices per poll. Uh, we kind of had to split it up into two since there are eight different series. But you know, we kind of had you guys uh, that listen to the show and those that you, you know those of us, those of you that follow us on Twitter kind of weighing in on the series that you were most excited for. In our first poll, we asked between Rangers of the New Republic, Ahsoka, Andor, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, which you guys were most interested in. And maybe not overwhelmingly, but uh, actually, you know, 45% of the vote came down to Obi-Wan Kenobi as your, your, your most anticipated series, followed by Ahsoka, then Rangers of the New Republic, and Andor. And then we ran a second poll where we asked you to choose between the Bad Batch, Star Wars Visions, Lando, and the Acolyte. And the most, the, the, the highest vote count went to the Bad Batch, followed by Lando, followed by the Acolyte, and finally Star Wars Visions. And I, I, and I can kind of see because, you know, very, we, we know very little about the Acolyte and Star Wars Visions at this point. And, yeah, I can see why, you know, there's not much excitement on that yet. Chris, what are you most looking forward to? Without a doubt, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I, I think just seeing Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor back in those roles and kind of getting more of a history of what happened with that, with those two in between the prequels and the original trilogy, I, I can't wait. I'm, that I'm really stoked about. Yeah, I I think Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be fantastic. We kind of already, you know, talked a, a lot of positive things about it. Yes. I'm excited for that. Um, but I have to go with Ahsoka as my number one choice. I just, you know, you got, you know, you you know that she's my absolute favorite character that ha- has been in Star Wars. Yes. And I know that there were a few complaints about rosario dawson's portrayal and i thought it was i thought it was fantastic i thought she Mm -hmm. did the best she could i think you know she is she's familiar with the character she's a fan of ahsoka as well and i think that's going to really you know play out very well um in in the ahsoka series is is seeing Mm -hmm. how just seeing how excited she was to to have been offered the role and the uh, it seemed like she had a lot of fun on the set of the show so sure. i'm looking forward to that as well absolutely i think that yeah i agree with you i think isn't that the reason why rosario dawson wanted to do it because she was such a star wars fan so even though i haven't seen her yet in the show i'll bet you that enthusiasm bleeds into her performance oh yeah yeah ab- it absolutely does and you yes. kind of we see without ruining too much for you we do see a different side to ahsoka than what you're used to from Clone Wars and Rebels. She's a little more, I mean, you can tell that she's had some experiences. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think, I think right now we just, we got, this is just a great time for Star Wars. It seems like it's, it's resurging again after the sequel era. Uh, So nothing but good stuff ahead without a doubt. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, you know, thank you guys. Uh, I know we have a few loyal listeners of the show. Um, you know who you are. So we thank you so much for, you know, for listening to this. And, you know, we do apologize for not being able to get an episode out to you any sooner than what than this one. But we should be, uh, you know, on a regular recording schedule from this point forward. So 
Um, thank you again for listening to this episode. Tell us your thoughts. Reach out to us on all of our social media or reach out to us personally. You should know where to find us. And, uh, you know, for me, it was it was a really great honor to, you know, to, for us to be such a new podcast and, and be able to so quickly participate in Star Wars Podcast Day 2021 and start to make our mark in the Star Wars podcasting world. Uh, I really appreciate every you know everything all the publicity that we hope to get from this and and hopefully we can attract some new listeners absolutely it was wonderful to record this episode with you jonathan i'm looking forward to this being part of the star wars podcast so until the next episode for from me may the force be with you the theme music for our show was composed for us by chip kramer you can find him by searching Chip Kramer on SoundCloud. Uh, there also will be a link to his SoundCloud profile in the show notes for this episode. If you'd like to reach out to the show on Twitter, you can find us at Logs and Lightsabers Pod, all spelled out. If you go on Facebook, search for Logs and Lightsabers Pod. Or if you want to email the show, you can reach us at logslightsaberspod at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook by searching at Just a Disney Geek. How about you, Chris? You can find me on Twitter. Just go to Twitter, type in at Chris Stow, S-T-O-U-G-H-1. You can also find me on Twitter and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel called Pittsburgh's Trek Chat. On Twitter, you can go to at PGH Trek Chat. You'll find me there. On YouTube, just type in Pittsburgh's Trek Chat. That'll take you directly to my channel. My email that you can use also to get in touch with me is Christopher Stow, S-T-O-U-G-H-L-S-W at gmail.com. Great. And then also, if you'd like to connect with Geek News Now, the, uh, the network on which you found this podcast, you can reach out to them on Twitter at G n n underscore home facebook just search for geek news now or if you'd like to connect with gnn on their website it's www.geeknewsnow.net we'd appreciate any and all feedback that you're willing to provide just reach out to us on any of those social network contact points and tell us what you think whether that's suggestions for new episodes what you liked about an episode or what we can improve upon we want to hear it if you're an Apple Podcast user, our show and the entire GNN network would appreciate a five-star rating and review. But it really is the best way to help our show reach more listeners and make us more visible to others. If you're not an Apple Podcast user, you can also help the show by subscribing to the feed, which will make sure you never miss an episode of this or any other show on the network. In exchange for your feedback and reviews, we would like to offer you some discounts from a couple partnerships that Geek News Now has. For the pen and paper RPG fans, we have a great offer from Metallic Dice Games. You can use the code GNN to take 10% off your entire order, including items that are already on sale. Go to MetallicDiceGames.com and shop for your RPG gaming needs. Secondly, if you have extra room in your closet or drawers for more geeky t-shirts, Ripped Apparel is offering 10% off on their site, except for the daily shirts. That promo code is GNN10. Their website is riptapparel.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Live long and prosper, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>